0: Get your Bibles and um, open them to um, Romans chapter 12. You know, it has always been my custom to tell a little story when we started a new chapter. I'm going to spare you that story because I think you've heard it 11 times. So I, uh, it has to do about the Marines and crossing a minefield and all that business. But I love to tell the story, but I'm not going to tell it. But, but it does, uh, I do want to start by saying this. If you're new to Grace Van, just know this. We consider this book to be inerrant, infallible, inspired, and at the very mind of God as black words on a white page. That is, we, we consider this book to be error-free. Now, that's where we're coming from. Now, guys, that doesn't mean that, uh, that we have all the answers that are, con- that are found in here. We may make some mistakes in handling it, absolutely. And where we do, I hope your ears don't work. But um, but that doesn't change the fact that what we're holding, what you have in front of you is the very mind of God as black words on a white page. This is inspired. There's, it's not full of myths. I went to a seminary, and the logo, or the, the I guess the motto of the seminary was, Thy Word is Truth. And the one thing that I think my seminary really prepared me to do is to defend the, uh, the veracity and the, the reliability of this book. So if if that's a problem with you, golly, guys, it would be our delight to try and help you work through that. But we we're coming we're we're handling this book uh, as if what we're doing is trying to figure out what God has said, so that we can um, adjust our lives in accordance with what we find here. This this wanted you to know that's where we come from as a church. Everybody around here uh, in in leadership positions believes that what this is is God's word. Okay. Now, we won't do this every Wednesday night, but for the first one, we have to read the whole chapter. Um, I, I can tell you this, my <laughs> um, my, my my thought is it's going to take us the entire fall to cover the first three verses. Um, and now, as we read them, maybe you can see why. Um, but there's plenty to do here for two semesters. But I, I'm wondering if we can cover it in two semesters. Um, but um, I, I, don't, I don't take joy in, I'm not trying to build a reputation of being plodding. That's not what I'm trying to do. It's just there's a lot to say. And and why, I mean, I'm in no hurry. Um, and so let's say it all. I mean, why should we skip it? Uh, anyway, but let me read the, the text to you first. We're going to read Romans 12, but every other Wednesday night, if you come back after tonight, uh, uh, <laughs> and half of you won't, um, but if you, if you come back, we won't read the whole chapter, but tonight we do. Romans chapter 12, uh, a very magnificent part of the letter of Paul to the Romans, I read you. Be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil. You will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The grass, it withers. The flowers, they fade. The word of our God, it endures forever. Okay, guys, I, I'm not sure you know what you're uh, what you're handling here. I mean—I I, I think you believe it's God's word as, as I do, but I'm not sure you're uh, aware of the, the treasure that is before you in, in Romans chapter 12. One of the delights, one of the joys of teaching Romans 12 is that you get a chance to show how inseparable are the gospel and the theology of the gospel. And I, I'll explain that in, in, in detail in coming weeks. What what I'm saying is, all of the ethics of Christianity, or or when I say ethics, I mean uh, what is is a Christian's right conduct? All of that right conduct consists essentially in his knowing and believing what what may be called the conduct of God. Now, I want to show you that in a couple of ways. I'm saying that what you get in Romans chapter 12 is an introduction to Christian ethics. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to say this again in a minute, but it's a very dangerous subject. It's dangerous in the sense that the discussion has really become heated and it's really become clouded and very muddled up. But let me show you a couple of things first in terms of where Christian ethics arrive or, or arise. I want you to look, first of all, I want you to go back with me to Romans chapter one, let's take a let's take a look at one quick statement in Romans chapter one. I preached this a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, maybe. Um, but Romans chapter one says in verse uh, eighteen, "For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the who, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth." All right, here's what I want you to look at. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what is the difference between ungodliness and unrighteousness? Guys, when you say you believe that book that you're holding, let me tell you what you're saying. (coughs) You not only believe its content, but you believe its logic. Um, What I, I... When we say that God, that God's, it's inerrant, we say it doesn't have any errors. When we say that it is plenarily inspired, what we're saying, what, the word plenary, if you've never heard the word plenary before, um, plenary simply means we believe that there's we believe that it's message in fullness. Everything about it. For instance, um, the Bible is not a history book. But when it speaks about history, it, it speaks accurately. It's not a science book. But when it speaks about science, it speaks correctly. But folks, we're still saying more than that. Um, when we say verbal inspiration, those are, the, those are the big words. We talk about inspired, plenary, verbal inspiration. We're saying that we believe that, that even the words are chosen by the Holy Ghost of God. Now, my point is this. Look at chapter 1, verse 18. God is angry against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Now, there's a reason behind that. That's not just Paul getting carried away and trying to multiply words. What is the difference between ungodliness and unrighteousness? That's what I'm trying to get to. God is angry Against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Now, stay with me. Those two words are in that order for a reason. It doesn't say God is angry against unrighteousness and ungodliness. It says He is angry against ungodliness and unrighteousness. So that there is a logic that flows from that word being first and that word being second. What is the logic behind that, ladies and gentlemen? What is ungodliness? Well, just for the sake of time, ungodliness is all kinds of wrong things about who God is. What is unrighteousness? Unrighteousness is wrong living. It's it's wicked conduct. Now here's the point. Where does all unrighteous living come from? It always flows out of ungodliness. If you have wrong views of God, it is always going to show up in your conduct. It's always going to show up in your ethic. Guys, we're about to go to a text where we are introduced to a subject that is very dangerous but glorious at the same time. In Romans chapter 12 of Christian Ethics. But you've got to understand something. Ethics. What you see in Romans 12 is the inseparable union between the ethics of the gospel and the theology of the gospel. All of our ethics will always grow out of a right theology. You get whacked up about who God is and what He's like. And so will your conduct. Your conduct will betray your goofy views of who God is and what He's like. Now, guys, that's just, I'm just trying to tell you, this is a wonderfully fun subject. But it's a tricky one. God is angry against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Unrighteousness is that which flows out of ungodliness. And so, what has Paul been doing For the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans. He's been telling you to think these right thoughts about who God is and what He has done in Christ. After 11 chapters of telling you of the profundities of justification by faith and union with Christ... He finally comes to chapter 12 and says, Okay, now that you got that all right, let me tell you how you're supposed to live. The inseparable union between Christian ethics and Christian theology, that is, ethics always grows out of who you think God is. Let me show you that one other way, and we'll probably have to quit there tonight. I want you to go to Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. It's in the Old Testament. All right. Genesis, uh, excuse me, Leviticus 22. Now, guys, i are just going to take my word for this uh, real quick. Um, in chapter... Um, Oh, 18 of Leviticus, the subject is unlawful sexual relations. Um, uh, chapter uh, 20, punishment for child sacrifice, punishments for uh, uh, sexual immorality. And then it talks about priests and how they're supposed to live. And then he talks about acceptable offerings. And so at the end of this great long uh, treatise on the part of Moses, telling us things that they should be doing and things that they should not be doing, he comes to the end of chapter 22. Now, guys, watch this. I want you to notice what Moses is doing. He says in verse 31, So, you shall keep my commandments and do them. Ladies and gentlemen, that statement, divorce from what comes right immediately thereafter, is what you call legalism. So you shall keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord. And you shall not profane my holy name that I may be sanctified among the people of Israel. I am the Lord. Who sanctifies you? Who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God? I am the Lord. In a matter of, what is that, 35 words? He has said three times. I want you to obey me, and here is the ground, the origin, the vomitus, the genesis, the beginning of all Christian ethics, of all Christian conduct, of all Christian living. Here it is. I am the Lord. That's it. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. And if you misdefine who he is and what he's like, oh my. Oh, it shows up in your conduct. It shows up in your behavior. It shows up in your ethics. Gang, the grounds of our obedience are rooted in and found in simply who God is and what He has done. He says that. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, based on who I am and what I've done, obey me. But oh, my friends, don't divorce those two. And, and that's what Paul is doing. What he does is tell you 11 chapters of what God is like and who He is and what He's done in Christ. Having done that, he says, therefore, I want you to live this way. Guys, um, let me say a couple of quick things. First of all, beyond that, there is no ground, there is no origin, there is no derivative, there is no, or derivation, there is no explanation for any ethics whatsoever. You remember Dostoevsky, um, Fyodor Dostoevsky is the one that says, if there is no God, everything is permitted. If you remove God from the discussion, there are no ethics, ladies and gentlemen. There are, There is no right and wrong conduct if there is no God. God. You see, what the what the Bible does, what Judeo Christianity does, is root all of our ethics, all of our conduct, all of our behavior in I am the Lord. Take him out, and there is no ethic. Guys, the non-Christian world has trying to been has been trying to find one for decades. Who's heard of Immanuel Kant? Have you ever heard of the Oh oh gosh, um, Oh, foot. The imperative. What's it called, Chris? Um, I wrote it down. Oh, you're supposed to. No, no, no. Oh, yes. The categorical imperative. Mm. I wish you could just read what Kant has to say about the categorical imperative. He's got three little points that he makes. Uh, when you when you choose between right and wrong you need to do this this and this because there's a categorical imperative and I'm telling you ladies and gentlemen this will end up in absolute chaos for first of all, you'll never be able to understand it I mean it's just ethereal it's 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 cloudy and misty Let me give you another example um, Joseph Fletcher anybody ever heard of that name in here you should have. Joseph Fletcher, who taught at um, uh Columbia Seminary in Atlanta? His great book in the 50s, or maybe was it the, I think it was the 60s, maybe, uh, called Situation Ethics. Guys, do you know what those things are? They are attempts on the part of the non Christian world to find the basis for conduct and behavior and ethics and morality. And so Kant says they're rooted in the categorical imperative. What the devil is that? I don't know, <laughs> I can't explain it to you, go look it up, I did. But I, I don't think you'll understand it. But no, 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 Joseph, Altra, uh, Joseph Fletcher says, no, 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 the, the situation determines, and the one ruling principle of our ethics should be, what was it? Don't you remember? Love. Love, that's what Fletcher said. That's how you determine whether it's right or wrong. It's love. Now, how do you define love? And how do you define love? And you, you, and you, and you. Folks, um, what has Judaism done? Judaism has found its ethic rooted in the Ten Commandments. Now, that's a pretty good start, unfortunately. It's the right object of, it's the right source of ethics. It's just not the right God that they're trying to live before. You do understand that, don't you, ladies and gentlemen? You do understand that Judaism, there are three essentials in the Christian faith. Three essentials. Trinity, Christology, and salvation by grace through faith alone. And Judaism denies all three of them. <laughs> um, they're monotheist. You're a tri- you're, no, you're not a tri- You're a Trinitarian. But but uh, Ten Commandments, uh, it's, it's all a desire to try to figure out how do we define morality and immorality? How do we do that? Well, the Ten Commandments, okay, that's a good start. But you have not the power of the Holy Spirit to even keep the Ten Commandments. How about Islam? What has Islam done? They've done the same thing that Christianity has done, but they basically rooted their ethic in Muhammad. We rooted in Yahweh. They rooted in Muhammad sis. now, how do you like that ethic? Have you seen what it produced? Do you do you like that stuff that's going on called uh, jihad? That's the difference, ladies and gentlemen. Root your ethic in him, and you get jihad. You get nine eleven. Root your ethics in Yahweh. You get the golden rule. You get 1 Corinthians 13. You get love your enemy. Ethics, ladies and gentlemen, is always the the deduction of our theological system. Do you understand that? That's what Paul is doing. He's giving you this grand treatment of 11 chapters of theological insight. And then he says, "Therefore, yada, 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 therefore, in light of this, live like that. if you divorce theological precision. From your ethical system, you end up with a conduct that is emptied. Let me me restate it. Here's how Jesus stated it. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That is, what is it that gives me freedom to make decisions and live and choose? It's my knowledge of the truth. So folks, don't ever skip from Romans 1 to Romans 12. No, 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 can't do that. We start with Romans 1. We find out about our sin. We find out about justification by faith. We find out about our union in Christ. We we find out about sanctification. Then we find out about our great security in Christ. And having done all that and all that God has provided in Christ for us, then He says, okay. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, in the, by the mercies of God. Which mercies? All of the mercies that are defined and explained to you in Romans chapter 1 verses, verses, Romans 1 through chapter 11. On the basis of those. Live like this. But it can never be any other way, guys. Let me do one other quick thing and I'll quit. I've said this before. But I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, it is a huge problem in evangelicalism. Forget all that. Indicatives always give rise to imperatives. That is, indicatives, the definition of who I am in Christ, then leads to the imperatives. Never the other way around. You never start with, because I do this, because I obey the Ten Commandments, I have become this. No, no, ladies and gentlemen. I am this. And because I am that, an indicative, the imperative grows out of that indicative. Ladies and gentlemen, legalism reverses those. It says, if I do this, if I do this, if I do this, if I, and very frankly, many of you were raised in that kind of environment. That Christianity was described, explained, by what you did do and what you don't do. Start with the imperatives, and then we become this. No, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you a little story, and I'll quit. I hope she doesn't mind if I tell this, but she may. It's not my wife. It's another wife of mine. Um, <laughs> it's my first wife. Um, I don't have a first wife. I mean, I have a first wife, and I, it's the same wife. Um y'all realize that there is some people in our church about whom there's a movie about to appear in November? Um, and the the leading lady in the movie is Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock is going to play um, Leanne Tui in the movie called Blindside. And um, Leanne was telling me this Sunday and... Um, and by the way, she told it with such sweetness and she's so afraid about this whole situation and her family's going to be in a, in a movie. And her attitude is wonderful. But she said uh, she was having coffee, I, something with uh, Sandra Bullock. And Sandra Bullock said this. She said, You know, Leanne, you're the first Christian I've ever met that I liked. And... Um, And Leanne was grieved, and she said, why? And she said, because Christians are just... The only thing Christians want to do is to tell me what I ought to be doing. They start with the imperatives. They tell people, don't do that, and don't do this, and do that, and do that. Ladies and gentlemen, do you see how ethics can be tricky? No, ladies and gentlemen, Paul begins with 11 chapters of glorious gospel indicatives. And then he says, in light of who you are, in light of what God has done, in light of who He is, go live like Don't ever get those confused, ladies and gentlemen. It makes you real ugly. Our Father, I do pray that you will use Romans 12 to absolutely ignite your people here at Grace of Anne. That they might discover the grand glory of Christian ethical, moral living all done in the light of great gospel truth of who we are in Christ Jesus. Now, Father... Dismiss us with a sense of appetite, with a sense that we have some growing to do. We have some changing to do in light of all that you have done for us. We make our prayer, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.